When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Welcome back to Not Another True Crime Podcast. I'm Sarah Levine. And I'm Danny Murphy. You know, we're your partners in wine, crime, and time. And Sarah, we are, we're going back in time again. Way back. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't we haven't taken our time traveling machine in a minute, but I feel this one really made it worth worth the journey. It is. I feel like we're in AP US history right now. <laughs> like, oh, I mean, yeah. I should teach a class in this. You sh- honestly, I feel if AP US history was just like they just admit like just had everything from a scammer's story, I would have done much better on that exam. Oh, totally. <laughs> I want to tell the story of how I found this topic because I think it's kind of funny. So I was Googling like famous crimes, 20th century. And then I was like, no, that's too recent. And then I was like, 19th century. I hit Wikipedia. I'm just going through like, they just give you a list of names. And I see CL Blood. And I was like, who is this? So I clicked and the story, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like You, we you see C Blood, this. you got to talk about it. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, he had a he had a name for like for what this is. So it almost was like, like one of those things where you're like, oh, you were like when someone's like like how like Madonna and Beyonce were named that when they were like you were born to be a star. If your name is CL Blood, you're born to end up being a little scammy, <laughs> end up being implicated in a murder. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, 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 it's the name. It's and the also, name. Like I feel, I feel like, like he's living up to it. And trials back then, I feel he could do the whole. What was it? The Crucible, John Proctor is like, what's in a name? Or like, what? Like my name. He just shouts I think that. that's, oh, okay, yes. I there's was like, Shakespeare I think Romeo and or Juliet, Romeo and Juliet. But-, but then there's John Proctor. He goes like, my name or something. <laughs> and I feel that was C.L. Blood's journey. He could totally do this. So let, let's talk about this gentleman. Um, amazing name. C.L. stands for Charles Lewis Blood, by the way. he We're, t- we're taking this to New England, too, which I'm kind of – I kind of like a New England slash uh, mid-Atlantic moment slash Midwest. <laughs> he's he's truly like, I mean, we'll get into it, but he's really like the girl he's in with four cities in their Instagram bio. Oh. And you're like, where do you fucking live? The people that still have like the city they studied abroad in 10 years later. Ah! Yes. I'm not judging. I'm just wondering. <laughs> so he was born in Groton, Massachusetts in 1835. So again, like we're taking the shit way fucking back. And according to his obituary, he was the only son and the eldest child of Lewis Blood. He had four sisters. Now, here's what's really interesting. So he claimed that his father, Lewis Blood, was a physician in Ayer, Massachusetts, although people who knew the Bloods in Massachusetts were like, yeah, his dad was like a businessman and Hmm. the family was respected, but 
Lewis was not a doctor. It's kind of a and- weird thing to just sort of be like, oh, you know, he ever ever being like, no, he's a nice guy, but not a doctor. Like, it's funny that he just made that leap to kind of tell everybody he was a doctor. Yeah, well, it's interesting because he basically tried to claim his father's profession for the clout because he later tries to pose as a doctor. And I'm kind of like, this is kind of the reverse Nepo baby. <laughs> reverse Nepo baby, but also like fake baby. Like you're like, this isn't even your Nep. You weren't even Nepoing with this. Right. Like he's doing what Nepo babies should just do and be like, yeah, I had a leg up. See, look how cool my dad is. I know. Yeah, no, truly. Like, hey, do you guys want to come hang out at like my dad's basement? It's it's pretty chill. I also like the whole thing. Like, well, my dad's a doctor, so I'm a doctor. It's like I know a lot exactly. of people whose parents are doctors and they they are DJs. So, <laughs> so who knows? I'm not going to lie, though. Sometimes I'm like, well, my dad is a lawyer. And like, <laughs> meanwhile, he does like real estate closings and stuff. I'm like, no, so I could totally read your employment contract for you. Honestly, I feel like that, you know, I could see that for you. Thank you. See, I, I honestly, I shaded our man, but I kind of get it. We respect it. So CL claimed to be a doctor, but there's no record of that. <laughs> And he pretty much bounced around between Boston, Philly, Chicago, and New York. I'm like, okay. Chicago's the one that's like harder to get out of all of those. Cause like that, you're going, you're going west. You're not just going down one train route. Yes, I know. I was like, he got off the Amtrak and had to <laughs> <Yeah>. like. <laughs> what I think was funny is like, I don't know why, but I wanted to talk about his appearance. Oh, I feel like, I feel like, okay, if it was a woman, they'd talk about her appearance, so let's do it for the sake of equality. That's, I love, okay, this is our fight song, people. <laughs> he was apparently like six feet, which may explain why he was able to get away with so much. And the Boston Weekly Guide said, blood is a finely appearing man, thick set, so well, I'm he like, thick. excuse me, I'm like, in front or back? <laughs> like, what does that mean? Uh, I, I'm just saying. I don't know. Well, also, uh, you know, read the next sentence, read the next line. <laughs> and erect in carriage. I'm sorry. Whose <laughs> carriage? <laughs> what, uh, the prince is throwing a ball. Is who's is this his horse? He has a horse and carriage on him at all time. Okay, the blood is pumping just fine. I think is the what blood. Oh my god! The Boston Weekly uh, Guide is alluring <laughs> to. And then they say with quick motions and small sparkling black eyes and has a plausible and attractive manner. Okay. Worse, worse things could be said. Right now? Know? Oh, see how blood is love and life. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm a fake doctor and people think I'm hot? I mean, th- that's the dream. <laughs> the newspaper thinks I'm hot. Like, that's... That's... Like, remember when the Anna Delvey profile came out and they're like, she wasn't nice and she wasn't hot. And I'm like... <laughs> truly d- dragged left and right. Seriously. So at least... I'll I'm take sorry. it. Okay, and looking at this, like the like the composite, like the picture of him, I get there are, I I see I see where they're going with that. Yeah, it's a look. So it's 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 a look, and um, with that look came his main. This is not just an episode where we are. Did he scam us into thinking he's attractive, but he's not? No, mm-hmm. he uh thought of something that I almost for any New Yorkers, and I guess it uh. Any person who is dealing with like the insane air quality of the past few weeks, like I feel like he could see how blood could be making a comeback. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Oh my god, seriously! So around 1865, he moved from Philly to Boston and set up an office in the old Congressional Library building, which I would assume I don't know. You could just that seems like a hard place to just set up an office. Well, I think it had once been that. 
So now it's just kind of like you know how like CVS will be in oh, an old bank. Oh my god, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite CVS is to go into. And he kind of really went. He was a good businessman in the sense that he went all in on the advertising of his business and practice. Sometimes you don't have to walk the walk if you just talk the talk very loudly, which is what I feel happens to me whenever I buy something that I see an ad for online and then it arrives and I'm like, ah, oh, I spent my money on this. Cool. He took out entire pages of the newspaper to inform the suffering of the only means by which they could surely regain their health. What is this cure though you're asking? You're like, okay, a lot of people... Sometimes there's like a serum, an oil, <laughs> some pills, like fish oil people love. He is giving the people and selling the people oxygenized air. I mean, it's really giving like H2 flow, T-swizzle. <laughs> if you know, you know, you guys. <laughs> um, but yeah. I'm like, I'm or all- like, what do they call it now? Alkaline water? Yeah which I'm drinking. I'm like, it works on me. And I'm like, it does nothing. And I don't know why. Um, like, turns out hydration is good for you. They're like, wait, okay, guys, this is like crazy. Uh, air and water? <laughs> your, your science teachers weren't lying. Uh, no, but there's so much stuff like that. And it's like, even like oxygen bars and everything. Actually, like. Uh, oh, yeah. I did that once. And it did make me feel so alive. Where, like, you just, like, insert oxygen into your nose. And I'm like, I guess that's what I do every day. But something, the act of, like, putting myself first with that. Well, I believe it. Because I thought, isn't some of those, like, that Olympic doping stuff, like, blood with more oxygen or something like that? Oh. Maybe. Like, oxygen is legit. You guys, (laughs) Guys. you heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) You know, yeah, yeah, we checked our facts. Our sources say <laughs> oxygen is legit. I also laugh at like oxygenized air does give me oxymoron, but mm. uh, here we are. It's like how like email scammers will misspell words because they don't want to try to waste their time with anybody who's too smart. So That's actually so true. <laughs> he claimed to have invented a certain variety of air that could cure all sorts of ailments like consumption, respiratory tract diseases. Scrofula and cataract. I don't know if those are diseases we still have now. I looked it up because I was like, what the fuck is consumption? Like, why don't you hear anybody dying from consumption anymore? It's just tuberculosis. Okay, because you know the last time and maybe the only time I've heard of someone dying of consumption? Moulin Rouge. I was was thinking Les Mis. I was like, I know it's one of those French plays. (laughs) Oh, my God. When Nicole Kidman... Sings, come what may, coughing up blood. <laughs> uh, uh, CL blood, help her out. <laughs> but like, it's the old timey tuberculosis. Okay. And uh, scrofula is an infection of the lymph nodes, usually linked to tuberculosis. It, this is all just like tuberculosis stuff. I just went down a rabbit hole, of, but I was like, hmm. And catara is inflamed mucous membranes. Oh, God, in the throat. I feel like, oh my God, it's allergy season. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a okay, cut to me getting oxygenized air. And um, so there you go for any person who is looking to up a little medical game for themselves. Don't go into your doctor and be like, hey, I think I have scrofula. They're going to say, mm-hmm. so we're going to let you sober up <laughs> and come back. <laughs> oh, my God. So anyways, though, he acted as though this like very proprietary air, which would cure all of the diseases that you have heard of and not have heard of was especially, like, specifically manufactured by him and only he knew how to make it. Yes, 
This man said he knew how to make air. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, like, iconic, to be honest. It's so iconic and also one of those things, too, where you're like, if someone believes this man has special air, let them believe it. I don't know. I don't know. At this point, there's always the part of the scam where you're like, if you're this, you're fine. But then it kind of adds on a little bit more. But it really was just uh, nitrous oxide, a.k.a. laughing gas, which has been around for about a century at this point, which is kind of crazy that that has been. And it's still something that is used today at the dentist, right? Oh, yeah. I I used laughing gas when I uh, got my wisdom teeth out and also when I got my IUD put in. But I would say I feel like. Like, on the one hand, these people are not getting their tuberculosis cured, but on the other hand, they're having a good fucking time. That's what can so, say something like, and they're lolling out of the of the doctor's office. Yeah, I'm like laughing gas is fun. Wait, I so, don't, I've never had it. It's fun. Okay. I mean it it lives up to the name. <laughs> I will say they should have that just at every doctor's appointment. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, oh my god! Right in 1865 in Boston, he went to a manufacturer of machines that produce nitrous oxide. But he uh, didn't have credit or money, so the machine was never delivered to him. Happens. Happens. <laughs> yes, anyone who's ever had their credit card declined oh. <laughs> knows the feeling. And if you haven't, you haven't lived, or you're probably a DJ because your dad's a doctor <laughs> and they're giving you money. <laughs> 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 the worst time was, oh my God, my debit card once declined at Dunkin' and I was like, but this is like my home. <laughs> that is it was, it was a level embarrassing. Of you have to switch Dunkins. I, I actually, you know what? I feel like a Dunkins. She was just like, "Come back tomorrow. We'll see." It's true. <laughs> tomorrow we'll be kinder with a Munchkin. Uh, like pick up four quarters on the ground. You here you go. Honestly, <laughs> you got it. Uh, There's your coffee. Please. However, he was able to procure one somehow and open up shop in his Chauncey Street office. And with that, he also had some kind of like advertising one sheet that he distributed and broadcasted. I love that. I'm like, was it a pitch deck? Like, what was he doing? Can I say what he lacks in actually being a doctor? He makes up for in the hustle. Totally. So he was distributing this all over Boston and neighboring cities and towns. Just like, hey, uh, Chauncey Street here. So effective because business was booming so much that he had to open up a bigger and better quote unquote doctor's office. At uh, 119 Harrison Avenue. So if anyone is in Boston and that street still exists, go check it out for us. <laughs> yeah, actually. Actually, survey the scene. I wonder what is... I, 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 I feel streets don't change names that much. Enough. Dr. Blood claimed to cure diseases of the blood and lungs through his air and also set out to sell the rights to his cure to other doctors and operators in other cities. Which makes me laugh, because how far along did this go? Like, how do you go to an actual doctor? And they're like, okay, so what is the medicalness behind it? And he's like, it's the gas. <laughs> he's like, I can't tell you. It's just oxygenized air. Yeah, sir. Come on. But I love this. Yeah. He, he got a pocket full of sunshine and some dollars now. So good for him. I also feel like how long does it take before someone who knows what laughing gas is to like figure this out? And, you know, that's true. I wonder if he's like, oh, no, that's weird. That's just a side effect of magic (laughs) healing is they're just for it. (laughs) You thought of it all. He would do this by selling one of the materials. It's made at a jacked up price and under a different name. So he really just kind of was doing all sorts of costuming, different vibes, getting everything going. 
And to his success, and like, let's tip our hat to him. The business was doing very well for a while. People genuinely believed they were cured, probably because they were just like raffling all over town. <laughs> like, they're like, oh my Literally. God, like, Cynthia, like, you're lolling so hard. Is your TB gone? No, bitch. But oh my God, I just saw the funniest bitch in. Like, they're literally <laughs> having just hysteria. Uh- <laughs> I feel he almost could have, um, oh, because what's that called? Choreomania, like that, like potential thing where it's like, I think I forget what it was. It happened in the past, and maybe some people said that it didn't happen, but like when like the dancing fever took over a place and they everyone just like started dancing for no reason around town. Is this footloose? What? It kind of is like old, old school footloose. I mainly know about it because Florence and the Machine has uh, her latest, their latest album was about it and had a song called it. And I was like, what does this mean? And it was like dancing disease overtook this like area back in the day. Seriously? Yeah. And I feel like this is what he's doing with everyone being on laughing gas. <laughs> I feel like you're right. Everyone's like, you got to go to this guy. He's great. Y'all, like the funniest doctor, like funny bones. Uh, at his new office, he also employed a couple of assistants. And when patients would come to the office, a page would answer the door and bring people in to elegantly furnished reception rooms where they would await the doctor's arrival. So you felt fancy, which yes. honestly, that's such... Um, the important part I feel of any office is if you walk in, you're like, oh, I feel cool being here. Yes. And then he kind of, um, you know, as you do, had a Ponzi scheme energy to him because he'd also hire plants to make it seem like the business was doing much better than it was. And no, he was not hiring like bonsai trees. He was hiring plants as in people to be like, I couldn't walk. And then I had this gas and now I'm doing cartwheels. Yeah. So, <laughs> That way, it could add to attracting some investors. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So he had some associates. So one of his associates was this guy by the name of also another quote unquote doctor who later gets outed for being a quack and starts getting deep into these like spiritual (sighs) things. But... This guy, Rogers, helped Blood get the attention of Humphrey Cummings, who was like this important businessman in the area. And legend has it basically that Cummings visited Blood's office once 
and then injected some capital into the business, which, yeah, like it's kind of like when you agree to make brunch plans when you're wasted, (laughs) you get high on laughing gas and you're like, oh my God, take my money. Also, like why are some business terms so NSFW? Like- Such as? Cummings went to Blood's office who has an erect carriage, we've learned, and injected capital into the business. This is like, (laughs) this is succession after hours. I'm just saying. So um, the other thing was that Blood was like cooking the books to make the business seem more Mm. profitable. And this combined with the fake people that he would plant enticed Cummings to invest. And all in all, he put in $4,500 Nearly his life savings. Uh, that's about $83,000 today. Because you know what's crazy? Even today, giving someone $4,500, i am like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. I'm like, oh, it was 80. Lord. I'm like, you're indebted to me forever. Ever. Unfortunately, Cummings did not see a return on his investment, and he died about a year later. This is a quote. Broken down by the loss of his fortune. That's sad. Very sad. And... Actually, blood scheme was so successful. This is actually Ah. kind of, this is my favorite part. I told my boyfriend about this last night. I was like, you got to get a load of this guy. (laughs) His scheme was so successful that he inspired another fraudster, Jerome or Jeremy. I don't know. I want to say Jerome. It's probably Jerome, so I'm going Jerome. In my head, I was just singing Tyrone by Erica Badu, so that rhymes with Jerome. So we're Jerome for the duration of this episode. It's spelled Jerome, and I feel like if you want your name to be Jeremy, you need to spell it with a Y. You need to throw a Y That's in my there. take. Or else I'd be like, <laughs> why is there no Y? <laughs> Jeremy. Exactly. As I'm, like, giving him all my money. <laughs> <laughs> so he pulled the same con. Um, and he was an actual physician. So what's actually crazy is that he opened his office in the same old congressional library building that Blood first operated out of. So he's like, bitch really stole my whole fucking phone. <laughs> And this actually is the best part because Harris like kind of understood the gig and he was able to get nitrous oxide and he branded it as super oxygenized air. Oh my God. It's like flavor blast. It He really knew how to mic it's drop. It's a cheater brand. I'm obsessed. A cheater brand. Oh my God. I'm obsessed. Tipsy girl. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the OG tipsy girls. So... Harris, because I guess he was a real doctor, only gave the super oxygenized air in special cases. That almost makes it more elite, too. Like, I I think so, too. You need to you need to be exclusive, Mm -hmm. you know. So one such case was a man by the name of Carville, who was from Lewiston, Maine, and who came in complaining of bronchial trouble. Again, this is the thing you do not go to the doctor and you're like, I'm just having some some bronchial issues. Um, Yeah, yeah. So he said he came specifically for this air. But Carville was pulling a scam of his own because once he started getting the laughing gas, he fell to the floor dramatically and started writhing around ah! and foaming at the mouth. No! And also, you know what's bad? When someone from Maine is coming in the like New York, Philadelphia area for air, it's better up there. <laughs> it's true. The air is better up there. That's true. That's the real super oxygen. Yes, air. honestly, just Maine, if you're listening, just sell that. I'd buy it here. That's so true. That's so true. So when he feels well enough and like kind of comes to, he gets taken into a carriage back to his physician. And who is his physician? No. No. C.L. Blood. No. You guys. I'm like, hats off. What a great scam. I Carvat, no. So then the next day, all the newspapers reported on this 
quote unquote poisoning of this man by Dr. Harris and his super oxygenized air and how Dr. Blood saved him. Oh my God. And this was like truly an expert level scheme because basically, I mean, obviously Blood put this guy up to it and like it was all fake. But Blood kind of, he made sure that he wasn't, that Carville wasn't cured immediately. Like he kind of drew out this man's recovery like it was fucking Scandaval. Oh, literally. He would like drip feed the media updates on his condition so he could get the most press out of this possible. True. So honestly, like hats off. Expert level scam. Uh, I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. Yes. A real slip and Jimmy moment (laughs) we've got here. (laughs) Wait, is that a phrase? It's from Better Call Saul. Oh, like, <laughs> oh my. Okay. It's like people who fake like slip and fall accidents. Slip and, okay. Okay. Slip and fall Saul. Okay. Good to know. So um, when Carve, actually, this is fucking bold because when Carville recovered, he sued Dr. Harris for damages. Woo! That, that, talk about an erect carriage. You got some balls. And Dr. Harris's lawyers were like, don't fucking pay these people. And, but, but Harris was afraid and he was going to maybe settle. But eventually the case fell through before it could go to court. But it accomplished what it needed to do, which was that Dr. Harris got spooked and left town with his heir. I'm going to get my own heir. Yes. Yes. So now we're in the winter of 1866-67. Blood is at the top of his game. The papers are calling oxygenized air an extraordinary remedy. He has no rivals and business is good. Um, But when you're at the top, you can only go down. That is... That's kind of that thing. So sometime after this, he gets in trouble with the government for failing to properly stamp his medicines or something. I didn't really understand. And the fall down is always, there's always something like this. So you're like, oh, that doesn't matter. It does. Yes. It's always some like dumbass technical shit with the government. (laughs) They do do act like that sometimes. The government does love their technical shit. (laughs) Yes. So he, uh, in Boston, he gets picked up by two U.S. Marshals, ends up escaping somehow, we don't know how, and turns up in Philly. And then in May 1884, he gets caught trying to blackmail a Boston musician, Ernest Weber. Now, this is like convoluted and kind of weird. So here we go. And and I think by this time, like the papers are turning on him, like they're they're starting to kind of call him a con man, and they kind of are like, oh wait a second, mm-hmm. this guy's bad news. Um, so in April of 1884, Blood met a Miss Janet Nickerson and started like taking her out on the town, courting her, you know. Okay. Okay. So at some point, he coerces her into giving him an affidavit, basically attesting to the fact that uh, she was like supposed to be married to Weber. Um, and Weber had gotten her pregnant and gotten a physician oh. to perform an abortion, which almost killed her. And I think at this time, abortion is legal, I'm assuming. So then he gets this affidavit, basically, takes it, takes it to some like quack lawyer that he knows, also gets some letters between Weber and Nickerson, and then attempts to blackmail Weber, demanding $4,000, which again, is like 80 grand, or else he's going to get Weber sent to prison. So it's like a very convoluted blackmail extortion plot, but he does it. So Weber contacts the police and they arrest Blood and his accomplice, who was like the quack lawyer. Mm -hmm. And they're both convicted of blackmailing and sent to prison for a couple of years. Blood behind bars. Yeah. That's his oxygen show. That is, yeah. Oh my God. The (laughs) oxygen show about oxygen. (laughs) For a second, I was like, oh, like an oxygen breathing talk show. And I remember the network. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So... Once out of prison between 1875 and 1876, he's in Chicago, refashioning himself right up as a physician. You know, 
word travels, I guess. He has one, like, one gig and one gig only. Oh, he's like, hey, I'm going to play the hits for you guys. Uh, ever see this tank of oxygen? And yeah, so he's doing the oxygen again, advertising his services, all in the paper. He did that for about a year, sold the business, skipped town. And this is when he kind of was like, you know, I've lived a life. I, I, I think it's time for me to, you know, put pen to paper. And in 1880, he did exactly that, publishing a book (laughs) called A Century of Life, Health, and Happiness. Basically, medical info for the home. So, you know, you don't have time to come see me. Let me come to you, a home visit. On January 1883, one of his investors claimed that he'd given blood $210 for the book and never got a copy. Well, babe. That's expensive as book. Yeah, I don't know what you wanted. from. Why are you just asking for a copy of the book from now? So a warrant was issued for his arrest. Meanwhile, he was wanted for some misdemeanors back in Massachusetts. This man, he's getting, his geographical web is getting really tied in tight. Yep, yep, yep. He was caught in Philly and sent back to Massachusetts where he was charged with fraud. And then he, of course, had a little second blackmail, right, Sarah? Yeah, so as all scammer, this one also gets very convoluted. Like he, I mean, I, I'm all for like diversifying your revenue stream, <laughs> but like <laughs> this is too much. So as all scammers do, eventually blood flies too close to the sun. And it has to do with a man named Hiram Sawtell. Oh. Oh, great name. Great name. So Hiram owned a fruit store in Roxbury, Massachusetts, which he had inherited from his father. And he was like using help support his mother. I think it was fairly lucrative. Okay, we love that. Oh my God, I mean... I feel people need to buy fruit more than air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to get scurvy, right? True. So Hiram had a brother, Isaac, who'd recently gotten out of prison. He had been convicted of three rape charges, but was pardoned by the governor, which like, what? Uh-huh. That's that's pretty crazy, and we'll come back to it, sort of. So basically, um, Isaac was scheming to kill Hiram and take control of the business, so what he did was he hatched this like elaborate plot. So he took uh, Hiram's daughter, who was one of his nieces and who was eight years old. Uh, he kind of low-key kidnaps her. Uh, okay. They end up in Rochester. Yeah. <laughs> they end up in Rochester, New Hampshire, and he tried to poison her. So then he telegraphs to Hiram and says, come quick. Your daughter is sick, you know, like. So Hiram uh, kind of rushes over there and is never seen alive again. And his torso is found in the woods, missing his arms and his head in Lebanon, Maine. Right? This escalated really fucking Really? And like, I I didn't know blood, like, this was not where the story I think anybody thought was going. No. But, so Isaac gets arrested in Portland, Maine, and police find blood on his clothing. But police didn't really think he committed the crime alone. Uh, They thought he had, like, a partner. And who was his known associate? That's right, folks. Our man C.L. Blood um, was one of his known associates, also a burglar named Edward Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, so Isaac said that Blood had borrowed money from Hiram and owed him a good deal of cash. But Hiram's widow said he never had anything to do with Blood. She said, Hiram wouldn't dream of lending that scamp money or anything. That was my 19th century voice. I like that. That was very, I was, I was like, I was taken back. Thank you. Uh, we got to start calling people scamps more, I think. I think so. <laughs> Good I, insults. Yeah. <laughs> right? So um, she said that Dr. Blood would often come to the house to see Isaac. 
And after one such meeting, she recalled Isaac saying, now there is a man who will do anything for a dollar. I think that is key. That is key. As Honey Boo Boo once said, a dollar makes me holler. So (laughs) makes me holler, involves me in a murder (laughs) plot. Who knows what happens next? Yeah. So a break in the case came when um, a sort of like hotelier, Mrs. Richmond, saw a picture of blood in the paper and remembered he had come by a week prior asking for a room. So like around the time of the murder. Um, she refused to give him one, though, because I'm paraphrasing, but she basically said ye old vibes were off. Shout out to Mrs. Richmond. <laughs> She's like, mm, not in my inn, babe. No. Yeah, she was like, ah, something feels wrong here. Yeah, she's, so she's giving Lorelai Gilmore of like not letting someone into her in because of vibes. <laughs> yes. Sometimes you have to do that. I, and yeah. so she said that blood was carrying two bundles, one in wrapping paper that may have contained clothes, one in newspaper, and this is a quote, about the size of a man's head. I'm sorry, who what imagine that just like, oh yeah, I had some clothes, you know, um, what is this? And then like something that kind of looked like the size of a man's head. I'm like what does that okay and also like how are you not putting that in a bag <laughs> a box you're just carrying it loose like What's what the, in the hell box? yeah i guess <laughs> i wonder if it's like like no, no a box would be too suspicious <laughs> no one would think i'm carrying a man's head in just some you know the dailies like they didn't have tote bags in 1880 like have them hop to this century where i have 8500 tote bags in my closet right now I know. I can't. You just wrapped it in newspaper like it's a wheel of brie. Like, I can't. (laughs) So she sends him to another hotel proprietor, Mr. Hall, who recognized blood, gave him a room, but like he never came back. Rude. And apparently the plan was supposed to be that they would kidnap Hiram's daughter, lure him to some remote location, and force him to sign over the rights to the business. But somewhere something went awry. Yeah. Yeah. And this goes back to Isaac's quote because this was Blood's price for basically his freedom because he agreed to do this for a whopping $500. Wow. I'm like, you're blackmailing for $4,000 but murdering for $500? Like, where are these priorities, sir? Also, yeah, your um, your exchange rate is a little thrown off. Your moral. Uh, yeah. yeah. We're kind of like, one is a little, but okay, you know, blood, blood out for blood. <laughs> of course, this went to trial. And in April 1890, Isaac is charged with conspiracy and Hiram's murder. On April 13th, he releases a statement that admits he tried to coerce Hiram into signing over the business, but denies having anything to do with the murder. He's like, we were just talking business. Oh, what any of you guys are getting into here? Isaac said that the last time he saw his brother, he was being led away by the third associate, not blood, and didn't even know he was dead until the morning. Uh, when he was arrested, and that's when he got a letter from Blood that said, your brother had to be put out of the way. Let each look out for himself. Okay. Damn. Damn. A ye old every man for himself telegram. Truly ye old pretty little liar. I'm like, what is this like text in the morning mom drop? That's so true. Because uh, Hiram's widow denied that he had any business with Blood, Blood was never questioned. <laughs> that is nuts. How? He sent the telegram. He had all the hoteliers. Then at trial, Isaac was like, oh, 
uh, wait, what did I say? What did I say? Oh no, what I actually meant to say is he changed his story and said that he shot Hiram and Blood just helped him procure the contract for Hiram to sign. I hope they did that in the mm. reverse order because um so he gets convicted and sentenced to death, at which point he recants the recant and says it was all Blood's idea. Hmm. I feel like confusing. At that point, also you're just kind of like saying any, you're just like living on a prayer, hoping to say something. Right. You're just like, sure, dude. Yeah. Isaac, I mean, he was uh, sentenced to death by life, I guess you could say, because he died of natural causes in December 1891 before his execution. Okay. It's a nice loophole. Came in clutch, (laughs) yeah. They're like, hey, you think you're going to get me, can I say? At least he could be like, I went out on my terms because I didn't have the oxygenized air to save me. Oh, my God. Also kind of crazy is like, because like, remember earlier how Sarah said that Isaac was, had all those pardons? Uh, Isaac's pardon became such a political scandal for the governor at the time that it brought about a new law that would require a petition to be published in at least two newspapers at least four weeks before anything is done about the pardon. I guess this would help people, like, give them a chance to say uh, shit about whoever the pardon was going to be pardoned for like so they could be like oh excuse me wait what i just read this and now and to kind of give like suss the scene i also probably feel like this would help the governor to be like getting reactions from the people that would re-vote for them well yeah true i mean especially because i feel like it's just like at a wedding where they're like does anybody object like they have to do this for pardons yes they're just like (laughs) uh hey uh sorry uh, the newspaper at the time said that if police had been consulted, they would have told the governor that the guy was no good and they could have prevented Hiram's murder. So that is that. And we don't really know what happened to blood after this. No, we he don't. He died. Like, he he <laughs> took that $500 he got for all this, the 4500 he got all that, and just kind of pieced out, published author, fake doctor. Yeah. I mean, but, wow. A very... Good, crazy, interesting find, Sarah, of a case. Thank you. Yeah. I thought it was very fun. It was very, it was very, the levels of it, the name alone, but uh, let us know your guys' thoughts about all of that and also any other cases or documentaries that are out that you want us to watch. I feel now that there's like so many streaming services merging, I like kind of like can't keep track of the new documentaries that come out, but if there's any that you feel we must get to, let us know in the Facebook group, not another true crime group. And follow us on Instagram and not another true crime. And just DM us suggestions there, too. You can follow me on Instagram at Casual Danny, Casual K. You can follow me at Sarah Lameem. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Not Another True Crime podcast is produced by Jorge Morales-Pico, Sean Kilby, and Rebecca Sosmacat. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at Not Another True Crime on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send all of your emails to NATC at Betches.com. Betches.